little dance in my chair every time our intro music comes on. Uh, my, my fabulous co-host did a great job picking out that song. It is Tuesday, February 26th. It's the last episode of From the Press Box for the month of February, if you could believe it or not. Thanks so much for being here today. My name is Amy Johnson. I'm your host and the lead correspondent here at the AHL Report. And as I mentioned, I'm joined each and every week by the one, the only, and the very musically uh, tuned in co-host, Mr. Rick Stevens. Very happy to join you on this day after the blockbuster trade deadline day in the NHL. And um, as we were reminded yesterday, just a week away away from um, the, the same sorts of limitations and deadlines and whatnot with respect to the AHL. And let me tell you something, if the AHL trade deadline is anywhere near as exciting as the NHL trade deadline, I'm going to have a great nap that day. I want to see it televised. I want to see the whole day televised. <laughs> I want to see James Duthie have to sit through 10 yeah, hours of Phil, the Phil AHL. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, you can you can bet that if there's anything that you need to know about the AHL trade deadline next Monday, you just follow the AHL report on Twitter, and we'll, we've got your back. We've got you covered. We've got you covered. But yeah, trade deadline yesterday, Rick, it was um, 99.9% boring until the last three minutes before the deadline, pretty much. Well, 20 well, minutes because Mark, Mark Stone went down 20 minutes before the... Yeah, what's the, the, the number is on the past uh, uh, three, four, five uh, trade deadlines is something like uh, two-thirds of all of the trades happen in the last hour. Um, they really ought to just put Duffy and crew in the studio from like one to three and just say, okay, here's what you missed this morning. One trade. I don't know how that it wouldn't be, you know, it's, it's all the speculation and yeah. Canadian, if you, if you're in the U S I know it's, it's uh, you have a hard time, um, finding the coverage or at least getting uh, wall-to-wall kind of coverage. Um, Canada, it's, it's, it's on, it's on two channels. It's everybody's covering it and, and uh, get, seems to get earlier and earlier. Um, could get up at, at seven and put the TV on and watch the trade deadline. And, and it's, it's um, the number of our staff uh, that said, uh, oh yeah, I, I, I booked it off. I booked the trade deadline day off. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, you know, I, but I don't know that I'm going to waste a vacation day when nothing happens for the first half of the day. Maybe take hmm. half a day. Apparently, I, did I hear correctly that Trudeau chimed in somewhere yesterday that, that he, that he's thinking about making it a national holiday or something silly like that. Yeah. He, he said, well, <laughs> as, as the place is crumbling around him, uh, he's currently, and, and now this for our U S fans to bring them up to date, he's currently involved in a whole myriad of ethics scandals. So, um, not a surprise to see him, see him come on and, and, uh, want to talk hockey. It's, it's kind of a, his safe space where he can uh, talk about his beloved Montreal Canadiens. Ah, uh, yes, 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 yes. Well, with the trade deadline happening yesterday, the Cabs were uh, 
remarkably quiet. Um, and so it's actually kind of a good thing that they were because we've got plenty of other more important things to talk about today. Uh, we will talk a little bit about trades, Rick, but we're going to kick off things, of course, first focusing on uh, the Laval Rocket and the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. Uh, as we mentioned last week, the Rocket were uh, on the road for one last game in Syracuse last Wednesday night. Uh, Rick and I were on site in Syracuse for that game. Um, despite the weather being a little a little iffy outside, we did uh, manage to travel there <laughs> and... <laughs> More than iffy, you know, wow. More than it. Snow is one thing, people. Yeah, Give me all the, the snow. I will drive snow. in all the snow. But the freezing rain and the ice on top of the snow and New York Department of Transportation, could you please plow your interstate highways? I, I hit the Pennsylvania border. Roads are just wet. At like midnight, one o'clock in the morning, roads are just wet. Uh, it takes me three hours to drive what should take an hour in New York because, oh, they decided for eight hours to not plow and then let everything freeze. So if I had a loser of the week, it would be New York Department of Transportation. Um, But I digress. We were there in Syracuse. Uh, We're going to talk about briefly about that game. More importantly, who we spoke to after the game, that was uh, Dale Weiss's first game in a Laval Rocket sweater. We spoke to him after the game, as well as uh, rookie Jake Evans and Mr. Joel Bouchard himself. So we have some exclusive audio from those interviews that we'll play for you. And we'll, we'll briefly go over the two home games that they played against the Manitoba Moose then on Friday and Saturday as well. Uh, We'll briefly touch on some roster movement uh, that has since happened since that game and since our last episode um, and uh, an injury update on a couple of players uh, and, and just how things are shaping up uh, as far as the, the playoff run goes in the Eastern conference. That's where the Lehigh Valley Phantoms are going to come in. We have some roster uh, updates there as well. In addition, we want to talk about Carter Hart very briefly, uh, who is currently injured um, and, and how we got to this place where, where Carter sustained the kind of injury that he did um, and is in the situation that he is in. Uh, in our second segment, we're going to go around the AHL. We're going to talk about this week's CCM AHL Player of the Week, highlight just a couple of key trades from the deadline yesterday that will have an AHL effect, some teams that, that picked up some uh, some good firepower along the way in their trades yesterday, uh, and an update on how the standings are looking uh, as we head down the stretch here. And then to round things out in segment three, we're going to go beyond the AHL. We're going to talk about a little mascot madness this week. I have some, you think you, you, you know, if, if you paid attention to the stadium series at all this weekend, you think you've seen and heard it all in terms of mascots, but I have another angle to the story that you might not have heard. Um, and we're also going to, we're going to go from mascots and their antics to uh, little tykes. And they're on ice antics. Uh, So we have some fun for you coming up in segment three that you don't want to miss. You know, we're always grateful for our listeners. And we we make a point of saying that um, Mm -hmm. every time that that we're very we're we're very grateful for the the folks that that tune in or uh, uh, find us during the week and and listen on their commutes or uh, wherever whenever they listen. Uh, It's very easy to do that. 
and um, and we'll give you all the particulars about that towards the end of the show. But um, I was looking at uh, our, uh, listeners, and and it's um, almost almost evenly split uh, Canada U.S. border. Um, uh, we have almost as many U.S. Uh, listeners as we do Canadian vis- uh, listeners, with tons of Swedish vis- uh, tons of listeners from Sweden as well. Um, so nice. uh, right across, yeah, right across the board. Um, but I Svenska, think, um, Svenska is listening. I like it. <laughs> that's right. It's Max Freeberg and his family uh, are all huddled by the the radio. Hey, um, we we like it. Yeah. Um, and 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 uh, there's Canadians fans in the U.S. that that listen to us, and also uh, for our Flyers coverage and and uh, Phantoms coverage. And you mentioned uh, Carter Hart, and with the Canadians and the Flyers having met last week, um, there's that tie-in. There's also uh, Phil Myers and uh, his graduation and and uh, um, um, debut with with. Uh, and look pretty good, uh, particularly against the Canadians. And uh, yes, that did. brings me uh, to um, one of our regular listeners and, and um, Kathy in Montreal, who was very excited to see. Uh, he's, he's called Phil in, in the U.S. on the Canadian side of the board. It's Philippe, of course. Um, and she was very excited to be in the building um, to see uh, uh, Philippe play against the uh, Montreal Canadiens. Uh, but the other thing that Kathy's known for is liking our National Day um, segment, and it's not really she a does. segment; it's just a notation. And, and oh, it's a um, segment. Okay, it's a segment. I think she's the number uh, she, one fan of the National Day segment. She also we understand um, Blaine is our top five. He top five is his favorite, but Kathy for sure National Day. Kathy also likes Where Are They Now and and asks. Bring it. The, oh. I got a message from her this week saying, "Where is it? Where is the? Where are they now? Yeah. Where um, are they now? Where are they now?" <laughs> uh, which bring back. Um, the problem with that is I usually get rambly, and uh, we've had so much other news that uh, we've we've had to, we've had to bump that segment. Um, we have, but the the national day. Um, uh, for today, for February 26th, when we're recording this, um, well, you always, uh, you know, mention about snack. What kind of snacks do you have for the show uh, today? Seriously, and I sit here with no snacks. Sir, really? Really? Well, you should have pistachios because it's National Pistachio Day. Mm. I like pistachios. Now, Make a bit of a racket as as you're trying to record, but that, yeah. Well, I'm sure listeners would very much appreciate listening to me crack open and eat pistachios during the podcast. I mean, we could, I could take a Twitter poll to see who would mind that and who would, <laughs> who wouldn't. Um, national so pistachio. I, yeah. Go ahead. No, I, I just uh, there's there's two days today, but the the more uh, the one the more um, appropriate one for this show is, is national pistachio day. Well, pistachio comes in all sorts of good forms because it's not just the pistachio nut, pistachio ice cream, quite tasty. Uh, pistachio layered in Italian cake, quite good. Hmm. Pistachio pudding, 
Yes, there is such a thing. Look in your jello aisle. It's there. Also, quite. Uh, so I'm a big fan of the pistachio. Now, the other day, uh, there's actually some pretty good days um, this week coming up that, really? that you might be interested in. But, but the, other, the, other, the other day, National Day, that's recognized on February 26th, and it sounds, it sounds happy, and, and, <laughs> and it just the name sounds kind of happy. Spade okay. USA. But it's not. I don't think any for... dog or cat wants to hear that. No, no. I think so everyone's pets, pets just no. ran cowering yeah, exactly. in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> it's it sounds so lovely, but it's not. It's like yeah, it's like they're trying to put a happy spin. Spade USA, or not? But, but you said there were Nash- other fun. Okay. Yeah, tomorrow's National Kahlua Day. Um, so keep that National in mind. Kahlua. Oh, mm. mm-hmm. all right. I'll be having a drink tomorrow night. Uh, it's also National Polar Bear Day tomorrow. Oh, I love polar bears. Oh, all right. And, and, and don't 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 send us mess. Oh, the poor because uh, if you look, the guys who from from Canadian Federal Wildlife, whatever the department, federal department's called. Um, Polar bears are fine. Despite what you, the silly stories you hear out there, polar bears are fine. Uh, there's about uh, between 18 to 20,000 in Canada. And we have, I think, two-thirds of Canada. polar bears. So, yeah. All right. Well, that's good. You yeah. keep them safe for us. In, in, in fact, in fact uh, I read a story uh, around Christmas time where the Inuit are saying, okay, you guys, uh, I know you have these, these little theories and computer models, but the polar bears are just fine, and you know what? Uh, we know because they're eating us. So could you please, <laughs> could you please stop the silliness about the polar bears because their their population is growing and uh, it's concerning for us. Oh. And and they ought to know. I mean, they ought they to ought know. to know. They do share the tundra up there uh, with the polar bears. Well, I like it. Those are some good national days. I like it. Um, love so that without your fans. pistachios, are you ready to go? I think so. I'll have to put, you know, I, I should note, I made fun of you last week a little bit because it was like your 20th national week. cherry pie day of uh-huh. the year. And Bye. I must be the one to come to the listeners to say, to, to, to bend a knee and grovel a bit and say, okay, this one was actually the real National Cherry Pie Day. It, it, it was. It was. I had some. So it just means that you can't, you, if you use the Cherry Pie Day card any other day for the rest of this year, I'm calling you on it. <laughs> because we now know that last week's was the real one. We'll have to check your memory on that. Oh, yeah. You see me in June. But didn't we have a cherry pie day earlier this year? I can't remember. Anywho. 
All right. Well, let's get to some hockey. Uh, the Laval Rocket had three games last week. They were finished up their their very long road trip in Syracuse on Wednesday night, and then they played two games at home against Manitoba. Uh, couldn't have looked worse. And well, no, I couldn't. I can't say that. I can't say that. I won't say that. They lost in Syracuse. Um, they could have won. There were aspects of the game that were positive. Um, turnovers were a big problem. It's part of the reason why uh, turnovers were a big problem. And Maxime Lamarche got got beat twice. Um, and and the second in the second case, uh, it was it was horrifically bad. Um, he tried to redeem himself with with scoring his second goal of the season in the middle there somewhere, but um, he didn't have a very good game. Um, so they lost another one there. Then they go home to to Place Bell, and you know the Manitoba Moose are are nothing to sniff at. They're they're they can be a pretty tough team to play against. Uh, and Laval came home and as they've done all season, they seem to have good energy at home. They play well on home ice. And uh, with Michael McNiven in net on Friday, they managed to notch a three to nothing shutout against the moose. Charlie Lindgren took uh, his position between the pipes on Saturday afternoon, the next day, and they beat Manitoba again, three to one uh, with Lindgren stopping 31 of 32 shots. He was exceptional in that game. Um, and not only were the Laval Rocket winners in that one, um, the players themselves, but the team and Place Bell winners with uh, spectator attendance over 7,000 in both games. Um, so really full building, great crowd, two wins at home. Um, so not a, way, not a bad way to, uh, to end a week there, Rick, it, you know, especially after, after not so fun of a loss on Wednesday night. Yeah, um, lots of energy in, in Place Bell, and um, uh, Michael McNiven played pretty well uh, on Friday night. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know, with Winnipeg, um, uh, they're having a, a bit of a down season um, after many of their prospects, uh, particularly lately, uh, have been snapped up by, uh, by Winnipeg. Um, and, um, and with some injury issues, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the moose were missing. Um, uh, of course they have been missing Mason Appleton for, for most of the year. Sammy Niku's up, uh, Tucker Pullman, um, you know, they, and, and, and goaltending was, was just not very good for the moose, um, over the weekend. Uh, on the other hand, um, as I said, um, um, McNiven played played well. Got the shout out on Friday. Charlie Lindgren was spectacular. He was brilliant. Uh, the um, Winnipeg play by play was was uh, you know over the moon in his praise for for Lindgren in, and in saying that uh, Lindgren was the only reason uh, that uh, that Laval got the victory on Saturday. Um, so um, I think that that uh, and and um, you know they. Um, I think that that the Rocket benefited from. I don't, I don't know that Dale Weiss looked all that great, but but he uh, was able to add some offense. 
Uh, Michael Chaput was back. Um, and so I think that, um, you know, there was, there was some help there for Jean Bouchard's uh, folks, but Lindgren was absolutely the, the difference uh, on Saturday. In my mind, um, turnovers, as you said, were, were a big problem in Syracuse. But in my mind, as far as effort went, um, I thought the, of the three games, and even though it was a loss, I thought the effort level was uh, outstanding against Syracuse and, and perhaps um, was going to disagree with me, but I thought it was one of the best games. Um, it was one of those games where, you know, we've seen Lavelle, um, you know, they score, they, they put, it, put up 10 shots one period and two the next, and they're very inconsistent that way. They, mm-hmm. they come out with a lot of emotion and then they fade. And, but that wasn't the way in, in Syracuse. They, they played uh, three pretty effective uh, periods. Uh, they played hard the whole time. Um, they did. And, and um, they even got a power play goal. That was, that was uh, Dale Weiss's uh, goal. Uh, Charlie Lindgren was, um, was very good in that game as well um, uh, against Syracuse. And, and, you know, the, the score was tight um, right until the last uh, six minutes of the game. The, uh, Laval was down by a goal. Um, and, uh, and it was a, a power play goal uh, by Syracuse with, I thought, a really questionable call uh, on Carl Olsner. Um, and Olsner, of course, yeah. being being one of the better uh, penalty killers for, um, uh, for Lavelle. Uh, I, I thought, yeah, I thought it was a cheap penalty to, to call, uh, Syracuse scores. Um, and, um, and that was, that was the game. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I respected the effort. I, I think that, mm-hmm. um, um, f- for the most part, uh, uh, Laval was frustrating the uh, the Syracuse crunch, and we saw that with um, you know there's that new commercial uh, out now with uh, with David Pasternak who who um, <laughs> sets up shop and in in the penalty box in the penalty box um, with a Dunkin' Donuts age, uh, yeah the AHL equivalent of that at least that night was Gabriel Dumont former captain of of uh the the ice caps gabriel dumont was uh seemed to be in and out of that penalty box uh a fair bit uh for the syracuse so obviously the crunch were were kind of frustrated uh by their game but um no i i i I really like their effort and you know syracuse is which maybe we'll talk about in a little bit later um syracuse is an impressive team they are, and we have seen games where where Laval or their former identity as the Ice Caps have just rolled over and played dead when they've when they've played Syracuse, um, because Syracuse is a very exhausting team to play against. Um, and that wasn't the case on Saturday night. Uh, we spoke to Joel Bouchard after the game, and you know, Rick, uh, you're right. Uh, he. <laughs> Apparently he was watching a different game because he uh, he had different he had a different outlook. Uh, in fact, I think the first thing he said uh, when we started the interview was, "This was not a very good game," and he repeated that many times. But he also said this: uh, "We didn't manage the puck very well. I think our skill set tonight wasn't very good. Uh, I think there's bad decision with the puck, but it's also 
um, bad execution. So I think we, we just didn't really establish ourselves in the ozone as well. And the turnover cost us some goals. So you look at it, um, I don't think they played a great game either on the other side. I just think it just came to bounce and, and, and capitalizing, and we, we didn't. But uh, from my hand, and I think from the player's hand, it was in a good game. I don't also agree with him that he says that, that on the other side of the ice, meaning the Syracuse crunch, that he didn't think they had their, had a great game either. Uh, so sure. They were in the penalty box a lot, uh, but I disagree. I, I thought they, they were forechecking hard like they normally do. The pace was pretty up tempo, particularly for the first half of the first period. Um, so a little a little muddy on the assessment there. <laughs> um, the one thing I will agree with that we both just said is was that uh, turnovers and puck management uh, was not very good. Yeah, I, I well, I mean, as as he often does, he contradicted himself uh, in saying. Mm-hmm. In one hand, he said it was a bad game. In the other hand, he said uh, didn't get the bounces. Um, so I, I mean, it's. Um, I, I agree with him that, that there were turnovers. There certainly were, but um, I think that um, that's a fact, as you said, that that's, that's a factor um, that, that uh, Syracuse just presses hard, forces you into turnovers. Um, and they have uh, the offensive power to, um, to take advantage of that. Um, yeah. Barry Boulay scored, uh, but you know I, I like really like uh, Radish. Uh, Verhage mm-hmm. is up at the top of the standings um, in in terms of goal scoring. Um, Stevens uh, Volkov scored. Um, there's a, there's a lot of firepower there. Um, Kachuk is an, uh, another one. Um, it's it's uh, and uh, you know I I think the um, the one good thing is Lavelle wasn't facing Connor Ingram. Um, the all-star goal. It That's was true. Eddie Pasquale, fan favorite um, out in St. John's, Eddie Pasquale. Um, and, uh, you know, they also have some pretty decent talent on the blue line, uh, Machine, Dominic Machine, um, mm-hmm. who um, perhaps gave us the world's greatest interview <laughs> in Lake Placid. Um, back, yeah, back when you had just been drafted. Yeah. Um, so, um I I don't know. I I I really liked uh, uh I I like the effort. I like the intensity. Uh I like the um that the Laval played for for 60 minutes which they have not done at all um uh on a regular basis this season. And and let, one more thing uh to to show sure. the intensity, to show the the effort level. How about Dan Adet getting in a fight with Corey Conacher? Yes, you heard that right, folks. Daniel Audet dropped the gloves and didn't just drop the gloves with anybody. He fought Corey Conacher, who is a big, tough dude you do not want to mess with. And, and rightfully so, the refs, I, I don't think I've ever seen a fight get broken up by the officials faster than that. I think they're all like, oh, dear God, that poor kid's going to get broken. <laughs> but... But good on Dan Audet stepped right in there and and yeah, it was intense. Well, yeah, I mean, the look on his face was, um, you know, that clenched teeth kind of look, and he was, 
he was throwing them. I don't know how many connected, but um, yeah. uh, he, he was he was mad. He was perturbed. And, yeah. you know, um, there's probably um, other guys that you don't want to mess with, um, you know, particularly Odette. Odette is, I don't know what he's listed at, but, you know, five, six or thereabouts. Corey Conacher is certainly bigger than than Odette, but maybe around yeah. five eight. Um, not 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 too much bigger. So uh, he chose well, but but uh, he did. He was yeah. He was he was not very happy. He was um, not happy at all. Not happy at all. Um, another guy who wasn't happy, uh, necessarily happy when we spoke to him after the game was the one and only Dale Weiss, uh, downplaying. Uh, his first game in a Laval Rocket sweater, and uh, he wasn't—he was not happy with with his performance. Uh, he he chalked it up to, as he called it, a a long and rough travel day the day prior to get to Syracuse, and so didn't think he had any legs, didn't think he had any energy. Um, and you know, it's Weiss knows he's just there until until the Habs can call him back up again. So it's, it's not like he's thinking he's really been sent down to the AHL, those types of things, but, um, you know, asked him what big differences in playing down in the AHL. He's, of course he acknowledged that the pace is, is just have a little more space and a little more time to make decisions. Um, and asked him in general, just kind of his attitude about getting, coming down and just playing a few games, with Laval, and this is what Dale Weiss had to say. I mean, it's it's fun to play. Uh, you know, you get a chance to come down here. You play a lot. It's not uh, the normal role I play in the NHL. You get to come down here and be on the power play and play a ton, so it's fun. Um, I'm just trying to come down here, have a good attitude, and, and have some fun with these guys. And that's and yeah, he did. He's playing on the top line. He displaced Alex Belzeal on the top line right wing uh, for for the the few games that he played. Uh, playing on the top line, playing on the power play, scoring power play goals. Um, he scored two. He scored twice this weekend, I, I believe. Yes, he scored a shorthanded goal on Saturday against Manitoba, and uh, and a power play goal in that game in Syracuse. So Dale Weiss probably had a little bit of fun while he was down in the AHL. And I I think that was uh, no I don't need player. Um, it was a long travel day. I mean, he's been in the NHL in, in hockey long <laughs> enough that he should be used to travel days. But um, whether it was, you know, as he said, the long travel day or, or the fact he just, um, you know, wanted to go through the motions and not necessarily subject himself to, to injury or whatnot, um, you know, whatever it was, he wasn't mm-hmm. one of the players that was showing a lot of intensity um, uh, in Syracuse. And, and um until the end I, of the I game. Th- until until the, the, the third period, yeah. Um and I think he kinda got caught up in it at that point. He he got uh, a couple of goals while he's with uh Laval. I think um rather than chalk it up to effort level, I think it's more a smart player being in the right place, right time, and getting a ton, yeah. a ton of ice time, power play, oh, penalty oh. kill, um uh, top yeah. line, all of that kind of stuff. And that you know it's it's fun to score goals, which um, he he doesn't do. I I think that uh, it's pretty clear uh, since he came back. The the Canadians fan base adore uh, Dale Weiss. Uh, 
um, mm-hmm. as as he was rather beloved. Uh, again, there's you know there's another player that has that connection between Philadelphia and Montreal. Um, he was adored in in Philadelphia as well for the most part until maybe this year. Um, mm-hmm. But it's clear that um, you know the the, the Canadians um, are, fans are expecting to see the the Dale Weiss that um, that played uh, a few years ago, and and uh, um, he he isn't that same player um, yes. anymore. Yeah, for it. Yeah, he's still got some speed, but um, and and can forecheck, but he he just, um, you know, he he isn't he isn't the the same player, and has been rather ineffective, um, particularly possession wise, um, um, in his uh, in his games that he's played so far with Montreal, and 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 you know wasn't wasn't uh, outstanding in in Laval either, so. Um, I think uh, expectations will have to be readjusted downwards um, for mm-hmm. Dale Weiss. One person, though, who who enjoyed getting to spend some time with Dale Weiss was uh, the rookie first line center uh, who who finds himself there because of you know trades and injuries and so forth, and that's Mr. Jake Evans. And this is what Jake had to say after the game about getting to play his first game with Dale Weiss on his right wing. Um, I, I mean, I thought it was a lot easier to play with him because he's just so smart, works hard, knows where to be, talks to me a lot. So um, it was a lot of fun to play with him tonight. And, um, he's got a great combination of skill and work ethic, and um, it, it showed up tonight. So I, I think Jake Evans, Dale Weiss needs him for his new PR guy because Jake Evans was all in on the Dale Weiss on the first line. Well, and, and it, it, you know, he said kind of uh, what I was saying, he's smart. He knows where to be. Um, right. And, and, and so that's what made things easier for Jake Evans. Jake Evans gives the most underwhelming interviews. He's just very calm, <laughs> laid back, very, you know, uh, lots of cliched terms tossed in. Um, uh-huh. He seems like he's been around for a hundred years. He does, but you have to remember that he is a rookie. And uh, as we spoke to him, as I, you know, as we said, the last time we did uh, a one-on-one interview with him was back in November when he was really, really new to the AHL. So, you know, we said, okay, it's it's been a little while since we talked to you one-on-one. How do you feel how, that your seasons progressed, particularly now that you've you've been given all of this added responsibility of of being the the first line center. Um, you know, he's gone through some streaky moments of really good scoring and then and then slumped off a little bit. And, and here's what Jake Evans thought about that. Yeah, I think um, I've been slowly getting better and um, such a long season. So it's been a bit of a roller coaster and um, a bit of a slump lately. But um, just trying to gain confidence, like I said before, and, and keep working to hopefully make the big club. Hopefully make the big club. Don't forget, all of these guys know the ultimate goal in the back of their mind. And even at someone, even someone in their rookie season at an age like Jake Evans, they all have their eye on getting that call up um, to the NHL. So he said some pretty key things. And, and um, you know, there's a lot uh, on social media. There's a lot of chatter about uh, bringing uh, Jake Evans um, up and um, I, I think that's mostly by people who, who haven't seen him play, you know, look at the stats or whatever it is they look at. Um, and we've been pretty adamant that, uh, no, he's not ready. And I think he would say that he's not ready. 
Uh, Joe Bouchard mm-hmm. has said he's not ready. Um, and he said uh, a couple of things in that very short clip that, uh, you know, support what we've been saying. Uh, he said it's a long season. Um, you know, they're not used yep. to this, having to, to play at a, at a, uh, a high, uh, consistent level for, for that many games in, in the season. And certainly um, that, that would be been ramped up higher um, in, in the NHL. Um, so he said it's been a bit of a roller coaster for him. He he still needs to go through that and 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 feel it and and um, you know be, be know how to to cope with uh, that kind of a season. The other thing he said was and and he was uh, you know he was injured and and um, it's been um, it's been tough since he's come back and and um, what he said was about his confidence. I think his confidence was pretty high. Uh, before he was injured, it hasn't been the same place since he's returned. Slowly returning, uh, we've seen some good things out of him, but his game's not right back to where it was to uh, prior to the injury. Uh, no, he's and he's he's getting there. He did manage to. Uh, he was the primary assist on Dale Weiss's power play goal that night in Syracuse. Um, so he uh, he did manage to to get some points. There, I believe those were the only points that he got. Yes, those were, that was the only point that he got last week. But but it seems like he's working his way back um, and getting that first line responsibility um, will just help his confidence grow. Uh, now, of course, since then the Montreal Canadiens did recall Dale Weiss back up to the big club on Monday uh, prior to uh, the trade deadline. Uh, so I, you know, don't expect to see Dale Weiss back in back in Laval anytime soon. Um, Michael Chaput, who recently cleared waivers and came down to Laval, and who Joel Bouchard was just singing the praises of because he had something like six points in in the six games that he played since he since he cleared waivers. Uh, and Joel Bouchard couldn't talk enough about uh, Michael Chaput over the weekend. Um, and then he was immediately traded <laughs> for Jordan Wheel. Uh, who will not report to Laval. He will report to the Canadians. Uh, so Laval loses Weiss and Chapu, who, as you mentioned at the top of this segment, were kind of the two sparks that, that seemed to really help the offense for the Laval Rocket this past weekend. So they lose those two. Um, they signed a PTO, however. Marc-Olivier Waugh is back from the Maine Mariners, ECHL. Uh, so they've signed him to another PTO. One thing we should note now that the NHL trade deadline has passed, two things. Montreal did not paper transaction anyone, meaning they did not uh, on, on paper send down and then recall anyone from the NHL roster uh, that would make them eligible to come down and play for Laval at any point now going forward to the rest, for the rest of the season. So anyone who's currently on the, on the Habs NHL roster, you won't see them in Laval. Um, also, it means that outside of emergency recalls, Laval, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Rick, but I believe they have four recalls that they can make now uh, from Laval for the rest of the season if they want to take a look at how anybody uh, would look up in the NHL. Uh, they only have four abilities to do that, again, outside of an emergency recall. That's correct. Um, so those and are just, important things. Go ahead. Uh, uh, just um, we seem to be having a lot of uh, 
uh, Flyers Canadians connections um, uh, here and, and, and highlighting mm-hmm. those a little bit. Uh, but you mentioned uh, Jordan Wheel, um, and for for those that don't know much about him, uh, he came in, you know, for Shapu came in the trade with Arizona, but he has a history uh, with the Philadelphia Flyers as well, and uh, drafted by the Kings, went to uh, traded to uh, Philadelphia, and um, has has played both with the Phantoms and and the Flyers. Um, and is uh, for the Canadians is going to be that he's not he's not very big but he's uh, got good speed, uh, good on mm-hmm. faceoffs, uh, good on the forecheck, and he, he gives um, the Canadians um, a, a player who um, is going to be um, you know on the other side as far as uh, faceoffs, which they don't have uh, so far. But uh, you know, good work work ethic, and and from what you saw, I, I think. Um, um, that that um, you're a bit of a fan of of Jordan Wheel. A little bit, yeah. He, you know, he when he when he when he played for the Flyers, there were he was streaky here and there, but a little bit of a little spark plug. Um, good energy. Um, was happy to see him resign a couple of years ago. In fact. Uh, won't go into much detail, but uh, you know, Flyers, Flyers and Phantoms fans would would um, find it interesting that when our Rocket Sports Media Group was in Chicago for the draft two summers ago, um, Jordan Wheels' player agents were sitting directly behind uh, directly behind me in in the arena, and Ron Hextall, who was, of course, GM at the time, came over and sat down next to them to have a conversation about Mr. Jordan Wheel. So, um, and, and Hextall obviously wanted to hang on to him uh, and, and managed to do so uh, for a little while until he was traded. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think, you know, you're, he's going to be on the fourth line. Canadians fans, <laughs> I mean, if, if you like, the Dale Weeses and the Nate Thompsons and the Nick DeLauriers and the Matthew Pekka's, then you're going to like the Jordan wheels. Um, he's good on faceoffs. That's the one thing that I will say. Uh, so if he can add some assistance there, uh, then, then he'll be good. And he's um, at least at the AHL level, he was able to uh, produce offensively um, just look it up here. 220 points in 264 AHL games, so 0.83 mm-hmm. uh, points per game in the playoffs. Even better, 27 points in 27 playoff games. Um, so uh, you know uh, he's still young, um, and uh, um, uh, 26. And and uh, and you know the Canadians tried. Uh, Claude Julien seemed to like uh, Michael Chaput, um at the. Uh, uh, for his face-off ability, I think they've replaced that, and and maybe a guy with a little bit more offense, um, and uh, and certainly has the the speed as well and and work ethic. For sure. Um, one more last last thing about the Laval Rocket before we switch over to the Lehigh Valley Phantoms for a moment uh, is injury update. Uh, Anthony Marcotte, one of the ninety-one nine. Uh, Broadcasters for the Rockets did report today that Antoine Waked was back at practice today, albeit wearing a no-contact jersey, um, and he 
put out a tweet uh, saying that it's possible that Shankaric and Waked could maybe return to play action uh, next week. Uh, there's of course nothing solid coming from that. That's, that's not a, you know, an official report or anything like that. Just uh, what Anthony was kind of feeling on the ground today. Um, so good to hear there. Uh, Wake has been out uh, for over a month or just over a month, I believe uh, with, with a shoulder injury uh, sustained against the Lehigh Valley Phantoms uh, when, when Laval was in Allentown playing them. Uh, and Shankarik's been out for a few weeks after uh, leaving the game against leaving a game against Belleville early when he took a bad hit in the corner uh, needed to be helped off the ice with a, a, an injury to his face. So, Getting the two of them back would certainly uh, help things down the stretch. Um, And going along with that, um, we should mention as far as um, paper transactions, the Flyers did paper transaction Corbin Knight and Philippe Myers. So that means that both of them uh, are still on the NHL roster. However, they they are now available to play uh, in the playoffs for the Lehigh Valley Phantoms should the Phantoms make the postseason. Uh, Justin Bailey was sent down to Lehigh Valley uh, yesterday as well. Interestingly enough, Carter Hart was not paper transactioned. That means, guess what, folks? You will not see Carter Hart in Lehigh Valley for the rest of the season. Um, I don't know that they have a great timetable yet on his return from injury, um, but it's interesting that even if he gets healthy, uh, he will not be available to help the Phantoms in the playoffs. Uh, that's, I, I, I'm of two minds about that. Um, I would like to see him get some playoff experience, particularly given that I don't think the Flyers are going to make it. Uh, it would be good for him to get some playoff experience in the AHL. Um, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not too sure that I agree with that. Um, but I also, I'm not happy that he's injured right now either. Um, but Corbin Knight, Philippe Myers, yes, Carter Hart, not available. And we should mention, Rick, we can touch on this just briefly. You know, the the, the situation with Carter Hart, you and I had mentioned over and over and over and over, and over again, um, don't call Carter Hart up, don't call Carter Hart up, don't call Carter Hart up. Well, then injury situations with the goaltending rotating roulette wheel in Philadelphia forced forced their hand and they had to call him up. And, and to his credit, Carter Hart um, took the task very seriously and has been phenomenal. Um, So phenomenal that he's been overworked, quite frankly, he's, he's played an enormous amount of games since he's been called up. Um, And in the week leading up to the stadium series last week, he had started four nights in a row. Now, granted the last two of those nights, he got pulled after giving up three goals in the first period, both of those nights. Um, One of which was when they were playing in Montreal. And so then it was Scott Gordon's hand being forced and saying, I know I had, you know, Carter was supposed to be our starter for the outdoor game. um, But, I can't do that to him right now. Then he finds out the coach Gordon finds out later that Carter Hart's actually injured, that he got injured uh, in the warm-up in Montreal and, and didn't say anything to anybody because he thought he could play through it. Um, 
I just find you know he's young, guys. He's he's 20 years old. He's a rookie goaltender. He's it's a lot of pressure, and I'm pleased that that he's done so well and performed so well, and and really looks like he's going to be the goaltender of the future for Philly. But there is a thing called overuse, and and thankfully he's a very mentally mature young man as far as a, approaching the game of hockey. But Rick, I've I, I almost think that they put too much on this kid's shoulders all at once. What is it with Flyers and their goaltenders? Um, I don't know. <laughs> they, uh, they My kingdom for eat a them goaltender and spit them out and, and, you know, f- fine. If that's what you want to do to Brian Elliott and Neubert, whoever, um, Pickard, um, uh, the, the long list of, of goaltenders that, um, that the Flyers have used um, uh, this year, uh, but don't do it to Carter Hart. And, and, you know, that, that was kind of the, uh, the storyline is that um, one of the, the kind of um, uh, points of disagreement uh, between Ron Hextall and, um, and the, the compact Comcast masters who, you know, the, there was who maybe don't understand the, uh, developing uh, players or or how long it takes to um, to uh, you know to develop one of your top prospects and and particularly a goaltender. Uh, they had, all they've been hearing about is all this promise and this potential and uh, with uh, Carter Hart and I got impatient and. Um, and whether that was the reason why his workload was so heavy once he got to the NHL, I don't know. Um, but, but, but part of it had to be that he accepted the challenge and he excelled at it. He, mm-hmm. you know, he wasn't looking particularly good with the Phantoms. Um, you know, his, his, he's got a, a, over a, a three goals against um, um, in his 18 games with the Phantoms this year. And, and even talking to him, he wasn't quite there as far as, as his focus and um, his, his readiness to play uh, the kind of schedule that you do in, in the AHL or, or sustain a, you know, a, a, a focus to, to, um, to get the, the kind of um, performance that you need in the AHL. And, and then he was thrown into uh, the NHL and, you know he's a he's a, a big time goaltender who who just embraces the the, uh, the kind of challenge that that gives and um, and and I think his his mental um, uh, focus was pretty good in the games that that we saw he was phenomenal and and mm-hmm. helped the Flyers go on a um, a streak that uh, maybe caused them to make different decisions than they might have uh, when, when uh, uh, it looked like playoffs were almost within reach, but then to get to the point where he was overused and, and uh, maybe that led to his injury. And then, you know, that, that opportunity to play against his boyhood idol, Carey Price, that, that, that draw yeah. was just too much, was just too much for him to say anything about um, the injury that he was hiding. Um, and he went in and, and um, you know, he was obviously off. Uh, he didn't look good and, and, uh, yeah. um, and was, as you said, promptly, promptly pulled. And fortunately he was uh, with Scott Gordon kind of protecting him. Um, right. 
from that situation. Um, but it's, it's unfortunate because it, um, he's got a lot of years. He's got a lot of time to play in the Bell Center. He's got a lot of time to face Carey Price. Um, it didn't need to be rushed along uh, just because, uh, you know, um, the, the, the Flyers needed a bit of, of a good news story this, this season. Um, and, yeah. and he certainly, he certainly was that. And, and, um, um, uh, you know, it, 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 uh, it brought some excitement to the, to Flyers fans and, and gave kind of a glimpse into the future, but boy, you don't want to risk, um, um, harming your, um, you know, one of your f- franchise players, um, who's, uh, going to be counted on, uh, when, when the, uh, flyers, uh, advance to become a, a, a contender in the future. Yeah, for sure. Um, as you mentioned, you know, Carter Hart, uh, exceptional talent and, and, you know, we're hoping that his development still continues at a, at a solid pace and not a rushed pace. You also mentioned in that game against the Canadians that Philippe Myers was one of the, the few standouts that the Flyers had that night, um, looking, looking very natural, uh, on, on NHL ice and in an NHL lineup, um, and and we've mentioned many times that there's other uh, prospects in the but well it's well known that that Philadelphia's farm system their prospect pool runs deep. Um, Travis Steinheim is is getting uh, plenty of power play time um, right now, and and Scott Gordon foresee that changing um, down with Lehigh Valley. Sam Moran is getting uh, closer to coming back from from his injury. He had a apparently had a pretty big bag skate today as, as they're working on getting him back to uh, game conditioning. Um, he's, he's making his way back. I mean, there's, there's just so much talent that the flyers have and they've been able to develop their own prospects so well that they've become their farm system and their development system and their depth pool has become the envy of many other teams and scouts and GMs around the league and, and Rick, it was some, you know, talking about keeping your prospects and developing your prospects and not trying to fill the bill with, with fill-ins that you pull from here, there and everywhere, just trying to make a product happen now uh, was something that you and I uh, talked a little bit about uh, on the road uh, this past week. Um, and, and was something that, that, that you even had some conversations uh, with, with others in the industry about. Well, that's just it. Um, you know the the flyers um you know jumping off of that with with uh, the even on the blue line um Sanheim and and Hag and Gossespierre and Samaran and Provorov um and now Tyler Myers and and up front you've you've got um Nolan Patrick and and uh, Morgan Frost and and Radcliffe and mm-hmm. um and it it's the you know it shows the importance of being very patient being very patient with, uh, with your own prospects. And, um, in Syracuse, it's, um, well, let me just switch gears a bit with, with, with Winnipeg, um, for example, okay. with, with the, with, uh, the moose being in, um, in Laval. Um, we know that, that Winnipeg the last two years have been, um, uh, because of, of all of the patience that they've had, all of that's coming to fruition. And, and finally the Winnipeg jets, you know, they have been a contender 
uh, the last two seasons, but it's taken a bit of a toll on, on their um, AHL team, as we've seen this year. Um, That's right. And, and particularly in um, uh, shovel day off going out and, and uh, giving up draft picks to, to kind of win now last year with Stasny this year uh, with Hayes and um, um, uh, Tampa Bay um, has, has not really done that. Um, You know, they're, they're far and away the best team in the NHL. Um, they're 15, 18 points, uh, up on their, the, the, the next best team. Um, and their farm team is loaded. Um, as I, you know, I went down and, and listed some of the, uh, uh, players and, and, um, was talking about, uh, talking, I was talking with a scout and he was talking about his own team and, and uh, he was asking me about Laval and, and we talked about that. And we, we, you know, it's, it seems it's quite common around the um, AHL that goal scoring is an issue, and it particularly is for uh, Lavelle. Uh, and then he said, "But not this team." Um, and and uh, it was the crunch were warming up at that point. Um, mm-hmm. They have the offense, and and um, and he said, um, and it's from their own prospects. It's from their own guys. Um, and, and it just kind of shows that, um, you know, uh, Mark Bergevin has been, um, one of the, probably one of the worst ones with respect to trading away draft picks, trading away, um, uh, this, this past year, um, you know, with, with Jacob De La Rose and, and, and Sherback and, and Daniel Carr, who's leading the AHL and, um, you know, all their own guys kind of thing and, and uh, um, bringing in Chapu and Agostino and, and, and those kind of players to fill uh, slots. And it's, it's organizations like Winnipeg, like Toronto, uh, like Tampa Bay um, that are, are, are working on um, keeping their own players and developing their own players. And what kind of message does that send to the prospects uh, that we're, we're, we, we, we have a bias and that bias is towards our own guys. Um, and, um, and it was just interesting that, you know, it's not, we've talked uh, about that a little bit, um, but it's, it's something that is well known um, around the league and well known with scouts that there are teams who, um, who focus on their own players um, and coincidentally, uh, those are the ones that seem to be uh, the more successful ones. Absolutely. And good points, good points to make. And, you know, we mentioned things like this just so we have a you know, it's, it's nice to hear evaluations that we make as we, as we cover and scout so many teams. Um, it's nice to hear those opinions uh, basically reinforced by, by, by those who are in the industry at the scouting level, uh, management level, things like that. Um, and, and, and it was a, it was an interesting, interesting conversation that, that you, that you mentioned to be sure. All right. Well, we are going to take a quick break, catch our breath a little bit here. Uh, but when we come back, we are going to talk about the CCM AHL player of the week, hit on just a couple of key, uh, AHL, uh, trades 
from the deadline yesterday uh, and, and give you a, a look at how the AHL playoff picture is shaping up this week, all when we come back after this short commercial break. So don't go anywhere. From the Press Box is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. For all the latest news, interviews, analysis, and commentary about the Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and every other team in the American Hockey League, as well as information on prospects, junior hockey, and international hockey, head over to AHL.Report, the home of the AHL Report. Follow along on Twitter at the AHL Report for live game updates, ringside photography, game recaps, and articles containing exclusive audio and video of your favorite players. That's the AHL Report, proud partner of Rocket Sports Media, AHL.Report. I almost feel like I need like a game show music clip here like ding 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 did the ahl player of the week have anything to do with the laval rocket recently <laughs> last week no last week uh you know josh hosang was right out there like hey not me most weeks i would be the big winner and yet again this week <laughs> we have the ccm ahl player of the week is it someone that the laval rocket knows you betcha Belleville Senators forward Nick Paul selected as the CCM AHL Player of the Week. Five goals, including two game-winning goals and an assist for a total of six points in three games for the Belleville Sen- Senators last week. Who, um, Hi, in case anyone hasn't noticed, uh, Belleville is uh, doing some things. Belleville is 11-0-0-4. That is their current streak. They have not lost in regulation in 15 games. Their past 10 games, they've gone 9-0-0-1. They're, uh, they're only one point out of a playoff position behind Utica. The Belleville Senators, folks. The Belleville Senators. And Nick Paul, of course, has been a big, uh, big contributor to that. Uh, he certainly makes his presence known to Laval whenever the Rocket play the Senators. Um, and uh, sure enough, he's the CCM AHL Player of the Week. So good job. Six points in three games. And Family Day can be um, renamed the Nick Paul Day because it was, oh, it was yeah. Nick Paul on Family Day, the, that matinee game against Laval that um, – Mm-hmm. Uh, he tied the game up uh, and then scored the uh, the game winner in overtime um, against Laval. I'd like to like run a survey through Eastern Conference uh, rosters and and just ask: Do any of you get excited knowing you're playing the Laval Rocket next week, knowing that you could be a contender for the CCM AHL Player of the Week the following week? Because that's pretty much what seems to happen almost every time. Who will it be next week? You'll have to tune in to find out. Could it be uh, Rick, a Cleveland tr- Monster. It, well, that's you know that's they're only playing two. They're only playing one team this week. So Cleveland, all eyes are on you. You're up. All yeah. eyes are on you. Um, 
what I'd really like to see, I, it would be lovely if, if, if instead it was, hey, Laval Rockets, let's see one of you uh, CCM AHL Player of the Week. I would like that. Um, trade deadline day was yesterday, of course, Rick. Um, not a ton happening up in the big clubs, but there were some trades that happened uh, yesterday and leading up to the deadline uh, that do have ramifications at the AHL level. Um, Eric Brandstrom is probably the the biggest piece of the puzzle uh, as, as you know, we just got done talking about Belleville uh, streaking right now. And now the Ottawa senators get defenseman, Eric Brandstrom, who's my goodness, uh, rookie with the Chicago wolves this season, seven goals, 21 assists, uh, fourth among AHL rookie defensemen in scoring for this year. I, I mean, captain of the, the, Team Sweden at the World Juniors this year. Um, this kid's something special, uh, and now he's Ottawa property. So, could they see him in Belleville um, for a playoff push? I'm I'm sure that will happen at some point. Um, that's that was one that that really that really stood out to me for sure. Um, yeah, that's probably the most significant uh, impact mm-hmm. to any AHL roster. Um, we saw Eric Brandstrom at the uh, uh, in Springfield at the uh, AHL All Star Game or All Star festivities, mm-hmm. and and uh, you know he's uh, he was uh, a first round pick by um, Vegas in 2017, 15th overall. Um, in uh, you know his uh, his first pro season, he's been nothing short of uh, sensational, and and just um, you know he's. Uh, uh, I think it was Dorian who said uh, that that he's a, a dynamic talent, um, and uh, that's going to be a big part of the future. And and you know Dorian's there's uh, the big four were traded away, including um, uh, Carlson, and and is going to need that kind of play. And I'm not comparing the two. Don't don't say right. that. <laughs> comparing them, but but they're going to need dynamic players to catch the attention. Uh, of their fans and um um he's he's uh you know the the best prospect that uh the traded hands i would say um um on the day and and um i th- i think that uh you know he'll have uh a, a, a it, it must be exciting to be in in the uh in the Belleville locker room now knowing that you got a, a talented player like that uh, that's going to be uh, joining for a playoff push. Absolutely. Um, Milwaukee Admirals forward um, uh, Nick Baptiste also now now heading to the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, organization. Uh, he's had 22 points for Milwaukee this season, his fourth year pro. Uh, the Checkers, who of course are the league leaders right now, they uh, they're just adding to their firepower as they acquired uh, Thomas Yurko from the Springfield Thunderbirds um, uh, who of course Yurko uh, signed an AHL contract with Springfield on just in January and has already had four goals and six assists in just 14 games um, he's won a Calder Cup in the past with uh, with the Grand Rapids Griffins so uh, it's a good pickup for for Charlotte, and of course Jonathan Dolan from the Vancouver Canucks in exchange for forward uh, Linus Carlson. Um, 
Dahlin, of course, well known by Laval Rocket uh, and their fans played with the Comets, 14 goals and 15 assists. Um, he was a second round pick by Ottawa back in 2016. Um, and that's a, that's a decent pickup for, for the San Jose Sharks, for sure. Um, as we kind of look now, Rick, at how, yet again, playoff pictures is shaping up, um, I should want to give a little shout out. We talked about this last week to the Bakersfield Condors, who uh, now oh with their goodness. win last night, just reached 17-game win streak matching the second longest winning streak in AHL history. They won three to one last night over Tucson. Like my goodness. Yeah. Condors seem unstoppable right now. Uh, they're incredible. Um, and um, they're putting just a little bit of distance. Um, you know, the San Jose and San Diego are, are fighting it out uh, five points back. Um, but what a surge by Bakersfield. Uh, they've been incredible. Um mm-hmm. Hershey was on a bit of a, a tear as well. Um, um, that they they uh, they ran into a, a, a loss this week, but but there's there's several teams um, you mentioned Belleville uh, that are are making statements and and um, and and making their push for the for the playoffs. Bridgeport's been good as well. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's uh, it. It's the, the the teams who who really want it and who who are uh, um, you know making their their presence known. They're 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 setting themselves apart from from the other teams. And now that the um, you know, the, the rosters are never settled in the AHL with all the movement that goes no. on, but uh, but they have an idea who they're going to have for uh, for the playoffs and and uh, things are starting to we're going to starting to get a a pretty clear picture of of who's going to be in and who's going to be out. Um, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, um, um, I would suggest they better um, get on their horse and, and ramp up their, their uh, game a little bit because uh, yeah. uh, they need to get back into the playoff race. Absolutely. They are currently sitting uh, at 60 points on the season, four points behind the Providence Bruins, who are in that fourth place in the Atlantic Division. Uh, the Phantoms have been 3-6-0-1 in their past 10 games, not not trending in the right direction right now. Uh, and with Hershey surging past them uh, as well, going 9-1-0 in their last 10 games, um, they're only one point up on on the Penguins. Um so they really need they really need a good push here this week and get a couple of wins under the belt and and get uh, get competitive back in that playoff positioning again. As we said, it's going to continue to get interesting down the stretch. We're only about mm, six weeks or so away from the end of the regular season. So uh, every every game every point matters all throughout the year. But now's when now's when teams really need to buckle down get every point that they possibly can and avoid giving away point, you know, and get those wins in regulation. Don't give away free points to your competition. Um, as far as Laval goes, it'd be a stretch to say that they're going to make a push for the playoffs. They're currently sitting 10 points out um, with 55 points, just two points above the Binghamton Devils who are in last place in the North division. Uh, so uh Hopefully Laval can uh, continue to put some wins together, but I, I, it would be it would kind of take a miracle at this point to see them in the postseason. 
just looking ahead at at potential matchups and that that uh, uh-huh. you always take a peek in on on um, the the AHL puts out the if the the Calder Cup playoffs started today uh, right. here are the matchups and um, I like the the Charlotte Providence one um, we've seen them before I like the Rochester Utica one or Utica Syracuse yeah. Toronto Syracuse Toronto series would be uh, outstanding. So that would be and very and good. on the west side San Jose and San Diego who've been battling all season would be a good one as well. That would be also very very good. Um, it's going to get fun. This is fun time of year, folks. So strap in. Uh, we'll have we'll have plenty of of playoff action coming soon. Uh, but we have we we still have you know good twenty some go games left to go here in the regular season to see how it's all going to shake out. What we are going to do right now, however, is take one more quick commercial break. On the flip side of this, we're going to talk a little mascot madness from this past weekend, and I do mean madness. Let me tell you, uh, as well as uh, spotlight a, a youngster uh, who laced up the skates uh, recently and give you a preview of the week ahead here at Rock Sports Media. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back right after this. Be sure to follow us on social media. Find us on Twitter at The AHL Report. Check out our original game photography on Instagram at AHL Report and watch our exclusive video interviews with players, coaches, and other notable hockey names on our YouTube channel at All Habs. Just remember to turn on notifications so that you never miss a video. The AHL Report, your premier source for Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and all American Hockey League news. From the Press Box is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. In addition to building a worldwide network of sports fans, the team at RSM is also dedicated to mobilizing the sports community in ways that make a difference in the lives of others. Giving back to the community bridges the gap between team affiliations. It's something any fan can support. RSM proudly provided support for organizations and projects like Hockey Fights Cancer, Five Hole for Food, the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundations, Autism Speaks, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and the People of Canada Portrait Project, just to name a few. If you would like to be involved with a Rocket Power project or have a worthy fundraising initiative you'd like us to be part of, please contact us at rocketsportsmedia.com. All right, Rick, I have a question for you. All right, go ahead. Did you happen to catch any of, I I know the Habs were playing on Saturday night, but it was a a later start for the stadium series, Flyers versus Penguins outdoor game Saturday night. Did you happen to catch any of it? Uh, I did see that uh, there was inclement weather. Uh, I did did see there was raining a fair bit. Well, yes, that is, that is true. Um, And of, and of course, if the Flyers were there, that means that one particular one particularly fabulous mascot was there and his name's Gritty. Did, did you happen, did you happen to see Gritty at all on Saturday? Any of, I'm sure he had, you know, had some Gritty. fun things to, to bring to the festivities. Completely missed him other than him um, uh, zip lining into uh, the, uh, the link. Oh, that's yes. That was very good with the with the light ups. He had the light up goggles and the the LED lit up 
hockey sweater and ziplined in over the Lincoln Financial Field. It was amazing. Well, I'm sure most of you saw it. And if you follow me on Twitter, you certainly saw it because I retweeted it about a thousand and one times. At one point during the game, Gritty comes tearing out of the tunnel, buck naked. And, I, and huh? folks, Gritty, stark naked is, is quite a sight. You'll never unsee it. And you hear the, the, the stadium announcers and everything playing along. And Gritty, oh, my God, what are you doing? So Gritty comes running out of the tunnel, fling, you know, waving his, his jersey like a, like a rally towel over his head, stark naked, running around on the field, around the rink. And he's got his security guys who are trying to chase him down. And they finally get him. And he breaks free and he's leaping over, you know, obstacles on the field. And he, he takes a flying leap onto one of the little mini rinks that are next to the main rink and, and slides on his belly the whole way down before they fight. I mean, it's absolutely, it was the most gritty thing. I, I mean, I laughed so hard. I, I thought I was going to throw up. My sides were splitting at the laughter. Um, Gritty went streaking. I mean, come on. This is this is hockey. It's, you know, mascot madness at its best. But, Rick? Well, now I'm sorry I missed I, it. I, we, please, be sure to look it up. Go back in my Twitter timeline if you missed it. Uh, I, I retweeted a couple of different uh, video angles of it because, really, you need to see Gritty nude from all sides. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but... <laughs> It's just wrong. File that under things I never thought I'd say on a podcast. Seeing gritty nude from all sides. Yeah. Um, But when I say madness, what people, you know, and people were talking about the streaking thing on Twitter all over the place. I don't know if everyone noticed that there was actually some madness happening on social media once this went down. Because you know what? The other mascots around the league, I think, are a little jealous of Gritty and how <laughs> fabulous he is. Not a mascot a controversy. There's a total mascot controversy. There is some Gritty hate in mascot land. Uh-oh. Now, it's either a well-coordinated, tongue-in-cheek effort, or they seriously have insecurities about their own mascotness. Um, it all started with Bailey, who is the L.A. Kings mascot, and he tweeted to the NHL, hey, at NHL, every stadium series before this, the mascots were not allowed to be anywhere near the field. So did Gritty not follow the rules or does he get special privileges? Gritty well, doesn't that just, follow the rules. <laughs> well, obviously, well, that set off a firestorm. Every other mascot around the league started piling in with, ba- yeah, Bailey's right. You know, you've got um, S.J. Sharkey, who's, who's the shark for the San Jose Sharks. He's like, yeah, you call that a light-up suit, Gritty? This is a light-up suit, and tweets a picture oh, of no. himself with a, with a light-up LED suit on that he wore to a game at one point. Um, People, oh, I got to agree with the fish. And Yahoo Sports Canada 
tweets, retweets Bailey's tweet and says the anti-gritty mascot tide is rising and puts out a poll. Where do you stand? And after 1,600 votes, it was 64% of people were with the union of mascots to 36% who said gritty over everything. Uh, James Myrtle got in on it and said, oh, well, at Gritty NHL went streaking in an outdoor game. Well, at Carlton the Bear, who is uh, Toronto's mascot, hasn't worn pants in 25 years. <laughs> so, I mean, it, and, and that, that's just the tip of the iceberg, honestly. I mean, this turned into, there is mascots around the league are seriously butthurt that Gritty is better at mascotting than anybody else. How did I miss this? <laughs> well, that's why I'm like bringing this a... up because I think everybody missed this. And I'm like, this is important news. Could you remember from, well, in fact, one of them, one of them, I can't remember which mascot it was, but one of them replied to Bailey out, out for the LA Kings and says, well, you know, from the all-star game that rules don't apply to gritty. So who knows what in the Lord's name happened with Gritty at the All-Star game, but apparently the mascots are like, yeah, okay, well, this guy's got a reputation. Um, one of the mascots retweeted, there was, a, there was a video clip that the Flyers had put out pregame where um, they went around, it was the day before during the practice skate outdoors, and, and one of the social media people from the Flyers went around and, and interviewed a bunch of players asking what they thought uh, Gritty was going to do and what Gritty had up his sleeve for, for the next night. And, and they put together this little video montage of, of different Flyers players answering, and, and it was pretty funny. And another one of the mascots retweeted that tweet and said, I'm not going to lie, even so, it seems like even some of the players seem to be tired of Gritty. And like, it's just... It's, do we all remember from All-Star Games Montreal Canadiens fans will remember this picture. There was a picture from the All-Star game that all of the mascots from all of the teams lined up on a big staircase to take a group picture. It was a big, long concourse staircase, and they all sat down and and posed for this big group picture. And and Canadiens fans were very concerned because Yuppie actually looks really sad (laughs) in the picture for some reason. Like he's looking down and off in the distance like he's lonely or something. I'm just wondering what the next all-star game is going to be like. If we're going to now have a year of, we all hate gritty because he ran around nude at Lincoln financial field. Which of course is only going to increase his popularity. Um, 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 you know, amongst flyers fans, number one. Uh, but there, I, I'm, it's funny how this is the whole genesis of this, that, um, you know, Flyers fans included, um, when Gritty was announced, everybody hated him. Everybody thought it was dumb. Yeah. Everyone thought it was a bad mascot. And then, um, you know, within 24 hours, everything flipped, certainly for Flyers fans. Uh, um, as you've said before, uh, uh, taking the, the kind of opinion, yeah, he's, he's not a great mascot, but uh, don't ever criticize him because he's ours. Kind He's of thing, ours, and, yeah. and and then his his um, you know his his anti mascot antics, which you know mascots are all kind of the same. They hug children and they you know they're they're lovable and all that kind of stuff. Except Gritty, 
Um, no, Gritty puts body checks children and and all that sort of thing. And, and he just took off beyond hockey, um, you know, onto. Oh, he's everywhere. um, Yeah. And, and so I think then um, the NHL, um, certainly they give him more attention than any other mascot. That's because Gritty gives the NHL more attention outside of, uh, hockey markets to to For sure. uh, more exposure uh, than any other mascot. So I, I think um, you know the, the NHL knows uh, what he's doing and which side uh, the bread is buttered, sort of thing. And and uh, so they've they've um, they've let him bend the rules. And and now other ma- mascots are a little bit jealous. Well, the mascots are in the pouty corner. Sorry, you can't be as cool as Gritty. Yeah, I mean the Players Cup. I mean he's he's been involved with golf. Uh, the Harlem Gold Globetrotters are playing, are performing at the Wells Fargo Center either tonight or tomorrow night. And so the Flyers have a video out today. Gritty did a whole. They they orchestrated a whole thing of trick shots bet- with the Harlem Globetrotters and and Gritty. So he's he's on the basketball front now. Um, he's unstoppable. Clothes or no clothes, you can't stop him. Fabulous. This so saga will got, continue. You got the mascot, you got the goaltender, and uh, now you just have yep. to fill in the gaps, and you might have a contender. That's right. Gritty will win the Stanley Cup for us. I, I, I just know it. Um, we will keep you updated on this saga because I have a feeling we have not had like this. This was just not. This was not just on Saturday. Like I'm seeing comments from from Bailey and other mascots as recent as yesterday and today. So the saga continues. I think this is not going to die anytime soon. Kind of overshadowed the game that that the Flyers came back. Uh, pretty pretty decent yes! comeback against the Penguins and and won that game. <laughs> amazing amazing so wonderful i was not totally sitting in my living room praying that Sidney crosby would cry i wasn't and what close to seventy thousand? is is that is that what i heard uh yes almost 70 it was a sellout crowds almost seventy thousand spectators in attendance uh now takes its place as the fifth largest attended NHL outdoor game. Hmm. So there. I could do without Keith Urban next time, though. <laughs> In the rain? <laughs> In the rain, yeah. Or any, uh, yeah. But from, from mascot antics to just some flat-out adorable antics, I, I don't think that we can sign off today without giving a stick tap to um, at HowToHockey on Twitter. If you have not, if you made it through this weekend not seeing this video clip, first of all, are you alive? Second of all, shame on you. Uh, and and go to at How to Hockey and and look for this video clip. Uh, this guy is a, a dad. Uh, I'm not sure if he's a hockey coach or not. I think he is. Um, and he had this idea that he wanted to. He's got a kid who just turned four and of course he's learning how to skate and he's learning how to play hockey and and he thought as a dad you know I don't ever like what what's he thinking when he's out there like falling all over the place and what so he mic'd up his kid and put the whole like 10 minute video 
on YouTube. And Rick, it it wasn't just a little funny. <laughs> no, it was a lot funny, but it, but it, it was, was like a lot funny. It was a lot funny, but also uh, what what I really liked about it, and it's a great clip, and everybody should uh, should should seek it out, and and uh, you'll you'll love it. But I just love his attitude. Four years old, and he's got a great attitude. His self talk. I can do this. I can do um, this. Yeah, it was amazing. They they've they've done uh, his parents and uh, and his dad as coach have obviously done. Uh, amazing things. And, you know, we've seen this kind of thing before. There's um, um, what's his name Roman Marcotte in Alaska. Um, he's probably eight, 10 years old by now. Um, and he's got some uh, wicked skills um, and, and kind of, uh, he's always talking about prepping for, uh, for the, uh, the NHL. And what I really like about this, this coach, the how to how hockey, uh, his name is Jeremy coach, Jeremy. Um, there's a pin tweet um, on his account that says, I don't coach with dreams of one player making the NHL. I coach with dreams of every player falling in love with the game, learning about self-improvement, confidence, respect, teamwork, adversity, dedication, and having a blast doing it. Uh, I think that's an amazing attitude, and you can see how that has influenced this, uh, not to get all serious, but but uh, has influenced him. He's got just a wonderful attitude uh, for a four-year-old who obviously just loves loves playing hockey and loves going to McDonald's for Happy Meals afterwards. I'm so, no, he likes to go to Badonald's. <laughs> He likes to go to McDonald's for a for a baby Happy Meal. Yeah, that's right. Who, and who was the player with, that said that that they wanted a a baby Happy Meal? Uh, Connor Ingram. Connor Ingram retweeted yeah, yeah, yeah. it and said, "I want a baby Happy Meal." <laughs> um, and 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 credit to four year old Mason. He has now come up with the most iconic hockey chirp out of his precious little four year old brain. Get off my legs, you old paint can. <laughs> which, which, which his dad says he has no idea where he came up with it, but that he thinks he's going to start using it. And I agree. Like if you, if there's just someone you don't like, just tell them they're an old paint can and tell them to get out of the way. <laughs> that was fantastic. You, you must, you must see this video. Adorable kid. As Rick said, uh, has quite possibly the best attitude I've ever seen out of a kid young or old, uh, facing adversity on, out on the ice and, and learning and heartwarming, adorable, entertaining, hilarious. It's the whole package. Um, yeah, go check it out. Uh, Rick, we, as you said, uh, the Laval Rocket only have two games this week. They are on the road in Cleveland, so that is Thursday night and Friday night. We will have all of that coverage at the AHL Report on Twitter. Um you know how I say I, I do. T- I keep an eye on Twitter as as we do this podcast in case there's any breaking news. I have uh-huh. to mention this: the hockey news uh, usually puts out a preview of of their next issue, uh, and I just saw it fly by on my Twitter timeline. Uh, the cover of the next edition of the hockey news out in March. It's, it's the behind the scenes issue, and it's it's orange and it says 
We never thought we'd put a mascot on the cover. Then came Gritty. (laughs) And there's a giant picture of Gritty, which is gracing the cover of the Hockey News next month. So, oh, dear God, the mascots are going to be so mad. (laughs) I can't wait. I am the living emulation of the Michael Jackson popcorn gif right now. Like, just give it to me. Give me all the mascot drama. That's where I'll be for the next month. Thank you very much. Like, that's 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 my new hi assignment desk. That's my new assignment for the next month is mascot drama. Oh, sorry. We never thought we'd put a mascot on the cover. Then came Gritty, his oral history. So this is what? Oh, I can't wait. This is going to be what? His story as told by Gritty? I don't know. It's going to be great. And the, the funny thing is that, um, you know, dealing with the AHL as we do here, the absolute by far most popular mascot in the AHL is Melvin. also <laughs> Melvin. Yeah. Um, is also related to the Phantoms uh, or with the Flyers organization in the Phantoms. So, um, and, and uh, Melvin is going to be uh, at home uh, for Saturday and Sunday. This, you know, I um, often have questions about uh, why, why, why do, does Lavelle, um, why do they play, you know, a, a night game and then a, an afternoon game uh, the next day? Uh, if you look at, at Lehigh Valley schedule since <laughs> January, I don't know oh, how many Lord. three and threes they've had, uh, three or four. Uh, and they're always the seven o'clock, seven o'clock, and then three o'clock, three o'clock uh, on a Sunday. variety. And they always involve travel this weekend, Friday night, uh, they're in Syracuse and then they come back, uh, to play, uh, back home to play, uh, Utica, um, on Saturday night. And then, uh, they entertain Bridgeport on Sunday afternoon. And that's happened at least, at least three times since, uh, uh, in this calendar year and and perhaps more. And a lot of times they play a Wednesday game prior to that as well. Um, that happens quite often where they play Wednesday, then they do the three and three. And a lot of times the three and three is like away home and away again. Um, yeah, it's brutal. I guess because well, particularly for the Phantoms, the Flyers, if you play for the Philadelphia Flyers, every Saturday game that you play at home, of the time is going to start at one o'clock because the flyers have to defer the Wells Fargo center to the Sixers who get the primetime slot on Saturday night. So it is very rare that the flyers ever play a home nighttime, seven o'clock start uh, in Philly. It's always an early start. So yes, you can get lots of Melvin this weekend. um, And I should mention Melvin and gritty when they're together, whoo, there's a duo for you. All right. Well, you can be sure that we will be uh, right along with all of your latest Laval Rocket news uh, all weekend long. And of course, through the AHL trade deadline on Monday. Uh, If you want to talk to Rick at anything, ask him any questions, uh, offer comments, things like that. You can find him on Twitter at AllHabs. You can find me on Twitter at Flyers Rule. And of course, at the AHL Report is home base. That's where you want to go for all the great uh, game recaps, all of the live game updates. Uh, exclusive uh, one-on-one interviews and videos that you won't find anywhere else but on our account. And of course, Rick, uh, if people want to hear this or any of our other podcasts, they just have to search for what is it now on their favorite platform? 
Rocket Sports Radio. Um, go to go to our uh, our website allhabs.net. Go to the AHL site ahl.report. But if you're on the go and and uh, you want to uh, uh, listen to a podcast, uh, just search for Rocket Sports Radio. Whether whether uh, it's on iTunes, whether it's on Spotify, whether it's on Stitcher, uh, Castbox, TuneIn. Uh, search for Rocket Sports Radio, and there you'll get this podcast from the Press Box, as well as Have a Listen, Habs Unfiltered, and The Canadian's Connection. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Great episode today. Thanks so much for being here, Rick. It was a lot of fun. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Hey, go eat a pistachio, uh, and then uh, don't spay your cat if you don't want to whatever the national day of today is. And uh, in any case, watch some good hockey this week and uh, be sure you come back here. Don't forget every Tuesday from the press box right here on the AHL report. Take care. Enjoy hockey. We'll see you next week. And keep on wishing. Remember your dreams is your only scheme.